Are we not the bestest of friends already? Only in media. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast that has a lot of grievances to air, but it's also in first place. We're, we're going to do a little bit of stargazing. Mark, happy holidays. Hey, happy holidays to you, Wes. Uh, glad to hear your family there in the background. It, it sounds like you're about ready to make cookies. Yeah, well, yeah, it's, it's uh, Nana's coming over, and the cookie crew is going to keep themselves busy while I try and get through one last day of, of pretending to work. <laughs> I, I love the cookie crew because my job is specifically to be the one that eats them. That's, that's my role as well. And my wife is long suffering. Her job is to do the work once the girls get bored and go somewhere else. So the it'll be it'll mostly be my mother-in-law and my wife making cookies while the girls are, you know, yelling and screaming at the dog in the house and doing all of the wonderful holiday things that make us smile. Isn't that great? I love Christmas. Yeah, it's wonderful. It's great. It's the best. It is the best. Legitimately the best. Also the best stars, the Dallas variety. We've got we've got a lot, man. We we've got some changes in the ever competitive uh, Central Division. We've got a big injury to talk about. We've got some interesting performance related stuff. And friend of the podcast, David Castillo, has come out with just a really hard hitting bit of analysis that he thinks would fix the blue line. And I think this is something. It's the sort of serious work that he does that that we just treasure. And I think this is the perfect place to give it a little bit of um, a, a little bit of, of room to breathe and just see see how it develops. I love it. I love it. David's always number one in my book. And this is I think he's got, he's really outdone himself with with the analysis here. And then, of course, being the holiday season, we're going to talk about uh, presents. We hope for. We're going to air some grievances. Uh, we're just going to we're just going to get into all things Dallas Stars, Mark. I think that's a good uh, good way well, to. Well, not just Dallas Stars. I think we're going to get into a little little bit of Texas Stars stuff here, since everybody and their brother is writing about uh, Stankoven and and Bork. We might as well jump on the bandwagon, don't you think? I think we have to. A guy scores four all four goals in a four to three overtime win, and you sort of have to talk about him. It's. Uh, it's been something. Why don't Why don't we start there, Mark? And you know, heading into the season, there was some speculation that this would finally be the year after after a strong finish to his last campaign. Um, Bork was looking pretty good. Stankoven had a good camp. There was there's a lot of speculation that we were going to have another Wyatt Johnston situation on our hands, which uh, Dallas prospect kind of forces his way in. Instead, the team went a slightly different direction. They brought in Craig Smith. They brought in Sam Steele. You know, they they kind of beefed up that that flex six in the lineup, and both. Bork and Stankoven started off in the AHL. And Mark, why don't you give us a quick update on how things are going down there for him? Well, it's going great for everybody, I think. <laughs> uh, the, the, the Texas Stars are averaging, uh, this is averaging over four goals a game. <laughs> I mean, this is just, they, they lead the AHL. Last I checked, it was almost by half a goal a game. There is no lead that is safe either way because we aren't going to talk about the defense much. But Stankoven, Bork, to a certain degree, uh, Blumel, you name the guys, they're scoring goals, and they're doing it in impressive fashions. The thing about Bork's goals, three of the last five have been the same play, and they actually scored a Scott Reedy goal with the same play, except it went to the middle instead of the side, and Reedy scored. So they're in other teams' heads. They're, they're just zipping the puck around. That's why the points are so high is because – you have not only the scoring taking place between Bork and Stankoven, but that's where the passes are coming 
coming as well. They're just moving the puck incredibly great and then finishing in spots that can't be saved. And it's it's to me that is it's it's awesome because it's happening. But the the part that I really like about it is that tends to be more predictable, right? When you talk about things translating at the higher at the higher levels. A, a player that is a physical specimen, you know, speed, right? So a player that, that can get around the outside, get towards the net and shoot, right? The, the level of athleticism that you have to carry from one level to the next for that to continue to work, it's just, it's, it's more difficult to be a physical reliant player and move up because as you move up, the best defenseman you play against every night is all of a sudden the the number four or number five you play against every night, right? So the fact that the way that they're scoring is is that spatial awareness. It's you know there's a, a I think it was Castillo, maybe Shapiro, I forget which, but an excellent piece on how Maverick Bork uses the walls and works in those kind of tight spaces. And the way that they're scoring, you can look at it and see, well, yeah, this is this is going to track, right? There's not a this isn't a guy with a, a booming shot that's going to get to the NHL and all. All of a sudden those are you know those are glove saves instead of bar down right so it's it's really fascinating the interesting thing to me is it's it's really hard to lead the ahl in scoring as a prospect because you, you do well long enough and all of a sudden you're called up right and that's that's turned into the discourse in dallas and it's you you've got like i said maverick bork won a game by himself this week well, not by himself but he scored all four goals in a victory they, they've been one two in the ahl scoring race um, pretty much all season, they're they're playing on the penalty kill. Like at some point, you kind of have to make a move, right? And here, I will point out that if you ask Maverick Bork, he will claim that he scores five goals in that game because <laughs> early on in overtime, he comes down the right wing, and they never went back and showed it, but his arms go up as he hits the pipe, and uh, and it goes back the other way, and then not not wanting to mope on on not scoring the game winner, he turns around and then finishes off you know thirty seconds later. So well, you know he was on fire. He knew he was going to score, so I think you count that as <laughs> it still just counts as one goal because if it goes in the first time, it doesn't go in the second time. Well, he may put it back in. I mean, he's on that kind of heater. He's it's it's been it's been impressive, and they've even changed the. You mentioned at the top of the segment, right? They've it was it was Blumel for a little while. It's been Carlstrom. Like they've they've been changing out the third player on that line, and it really hasn't made any difference whatsoever. They're just a wagon. It 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 really doesn't. And, and I mean, the play that they've been that that Bork's been hot on. If you remember back uh, this latest Stars game. Uh, where Joe Pavelski feeds Matt Duchesne uh, with a with a nice little cross ice pass for a wide open net. It's the same thing. It's Stankoven on one side and Bork moving himself so that there's an open passing lane and then putting in the net before the goaltender can get all the way across. And literally three of the five goals that Bork scored were that exact same play but from different spots on the ice because the defense would shut him down in one spot. And so he'd move to another place where there was an open, open passing lane. And it's just this, this innate communication between the two where they understand where they need to get to open one of them up. Yeah. And, and speaking of understanding where they get Mark. So if, if they get called up, they've, they've got to move in with the Pavelskis at this point, right? <laughs> they, they can, I, ha- I have they can not pull out I the have, couch, you know, I have not been. I have not been to the Bavelski house, so I don't know the the room situation, and I I would hate to put them on couches. 
listen, you say the guy's a leader on the team. I say the guy's a leader on the team. This is what leaders do, Mark. They step up and clearly living with the Pavelskis helps forwards acclimate to the NHL. So it's just got to be, it's got, it's got, I'm just saying, Joe, Joe, get the, get the guest room ready. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) But I I think the one, the, the challenge though is Mark, how do you get, how do you get him on the roster at this point? Well, I don't think you do. Uh, yeah, <laughs> they're they're kind of destined to lead the AHL in scoring because this is the Dallas Stars, and the Dallas Stars have a lineup that's kind of cap crunched, and they're healthy as all get out. Thank God they have great nutritionists and and physical therapists on this team because nobody ever gets hurt. Yeah, it's, it's great. been it's been great, and and you're right, and and it's also like the team is is performing with so since we've last casted you know if you look at the point totals they're technically second in the central uh winnipeg is in the lead which we all saw coming by the way with 41 points um dallas and colorado are tied at 40 in the two spot however winnipeg's played an extra game colorado's played two extra games so if you look at point percentage uh get real nerdy with us for a second dallas is actually leading the central right now with a 66.7 point percentage over 66.1 in winnipeg and 62.5 in colorado so at the very least you could you know say that they're tied for first but it's a team that's been playing well uh it's a team that's been playing well offensively right most of what we talk about is defensive when it comes to troubles they've got Uh, They've scored, I think it's 107 goals. That's second to Colorado in the conference at 115. It's, um, you know, just skimming. I can see Toronto has scored 108. Tampa, Detroit, we all saw that coming as well. And, you know, really that's that's kind of it. A Columbus 105. So Dallas is among the elite offenses in the league. And and a lot of their problems are not with the forward core. So you can talk about you know, they've got half a million bucks in cap space. Well, you know, you're going to have to, or sorry, current cap space. It's up to about 700 K now that we're rolling through the season. So they've, they've got a little bit more room, but do you, you know, it's, it's sort of one of those, do you really want to burn the cap space on a call up to address a problem that you don't have when you may very well need to use that cap space later to address a problem that you do have even, even before, and we'll get into this later, even before you've got a goaltending situation that's now week to week. You know what I mean? So it's like, there are performance reasons to keep them where they are. There are cap reasons to keep them where they are. There are, and I don't, I'm not saying I agree with all of these. There are old school NHL coach slash, you know, GM ship, um, you know, play the veteran reasons. To, you know, there's, there's a lot of stuff that's pushing them down right now. And as great as they're playing, I think you're right. They just may be destined to lead the AHL in scoring for a little while. And there's not a lot that can be done about it. Well, and the thing is, you have to look at your level of concern. And the most concerned that I know you've been in the last couple of months here was when Scott Wedgwood took a puck off of his neck slash clavicle. Yep. Because at that at that point, I think there was somewhere deep in the recesses of your brain where you saw the season slipping away. And, and, and so it's like, okay, right now, this Dallas Stars team is – Pretty vulnerable. But on the other hand, you take a look at what Wedgwood has done in net as 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 a true backup. And what he's lost one game, one you know, one game in regulation, one game in in overtime and or a shootout, and otherwise he's bringing in wins. So yeah. how could you expect anything better? No, he's doing everything that the team needs him to do. And you're right. It's it's the fact that and and it this is better because you know, Remy's played well this year in stretches. Um, Matt Murray's had some stress. So it's it's better than last year when it was, 
you know, uh, Ottinger was the healthy one, but when, um, when Wedgwood went down and there really was nothing behind him, you know, at least you can kind of, you know, you might get lucky. Murray may be able to keep the the wheels on it. Remy may be able to keep the wheels on as a backup for a little while, but yeah, it's, that's the spot, right? Well, and, and I think you take a look at this and, and I know we talked about this at the start of the season, you know, Jim Nill has always been one to stock up on resources to make mm-hmm. sure that he's not he's not found wanting when when the time comes. This year, it was kind of a leap of faith on Jim Neal's part. And, and Jim Neal, I don't think, is somebody who makes too many leaps of faith. He, he likes having his ducks in a row. Yes. And and very much so, so. The thought the thought early on in the season was Dallas is going to find themselves a, a AHL netminder who is a veteran who can fill that spot and come up and in a pinch uh, be be the backup for for either Wedgwood or Ottinger. And he didn't do that deal. And that means that Dallas is extremely thin in the net. Yeah. And and I mean, they're, they're thin to the point where they had to sign a, a professional tryout deal just to get a backup in Texas. Yeah. Well, I mean, they used an e-bug in St. Louis, right? That, that's cap related, though, not not. Uh, well, they had, wait, well it's, they, it's, had, yeah, they had to wait to be they had to wait to be able to claim an emergency exemption so they could call up a kid. And yeah, it, 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 it's just weird. NHL is weird because it's like it's like you have a fire going and you have to let the you have to let the fire grow so big before you can call the fire department. Yeah, I mean, I I hear you, but at the same time, it's, people would abuse I, it. Vegas, well, Vegas. and this is this is where I get to be a little bit of a jerk, and, and this is me putting coal in stockings, right? But it's another. There is a part of me that agrees with you, and there's another part of me that says, well, it's your response. It's like part part of the challenge of winning in the NHL is maintaining a roster, and why should we make a bunch of special exemption carve outs to enable teams to, you know, if if Vegas last season, right? If you cap yourself out, you have to play shorthanded. And, but except for goalies, right? And so there's there's a part of me that gets it. It's a specialist position. Somebody could get hurt. You really don't want to watch an NHL team have to play consistently with a guy that doesn't know what he's doing. Like there's, I, I get, I get why the rule is the way that it is. And at the end of the day, I agree with the rule being the way that it is. But there is a part of me that's like, well, no, if, if you don't have the cap space and both of your goalies get hurt, figure out who can do it. Well, and this is something that's somewhat particular to Dallas because because of course Dallas is walking this thin line of trying to maintain themselves under the salary cap without using long-term injured reserve. And you know, the Torontos of the world and, and there are several others out there would just go, Hoo-hoo, let's add another let's add another injured guy here where our long-term injured reserve number is up to fifteen million and we can just go on and spend. Um, well, and there's there's some ways that you can do that, but Dallas wants to keep themselves away from using that because they want to have some flexibility with some overages going into next year. And so there are some advantages to not using long-term injured reserve as well, and that's what uh, the Dallas Stars are trying to do. Well, and as, the other bit of it is the team's overall health and and. You know, there really hasn't been an opportunity. Wedgwood is or Wedgwood, sorry. Ottinger, who is week to week, by the way, this is the first time there has been a significant contract that Dallas could stash on LTIR, right? So it's it's part of it is what you say. And I think they want to retain the flexibility. And the other part of it is to put somebody on an LTIR, you have to have somebody that's hurt enough to go on LTIR. And Dallas hasn't quite wound up in that situation yet. 
Yeah, thank goodness. Knock, knock wood. Yeah, um, and, and we're gonna we're gonna talk goaltending in just a second. Before we close out, though, I, I do did anything else on the? I think we're in agreement. As, as I think that it's, I think that you can say that that either or both of Bork or Stankoven, if if there was no salary cap, right? It, barring barring other you know kind of, kind of third party factors, right? I think you could say either or both of them deserve a look at the NHL level. I just think as fans, we need to accept, and this happened last year with Harley, frankly. I think this, as fans, we need to accept a little bit of patience because the way the team is playing right now, I just don't see, you know, you're not going to, I'm just looking through the, looking through the forwards, right? The Sagan, Sagan, uh, Duchesne, Marchment line is playing great. You're not going to get rid of one of them. They're not the fire breathing dragon. They have been historically, but Pavelski and Sons are, are clipping along just fine. You know, you you've seen some regression out of of Ben and Johnston with you know Dadnoff taking a scratch on that right wing, but I, I don't think that you're ready. You know, certainly you're not going to banish Ben or Johnston, right? So I, I don't think you're ready to just you know turf Dadnoff, and then you're getting into the role of like, is it better for you know developmentally? Is it better for them as players? Like, would you rather have? Maverick Bork and Logan Stankoven kind of fighting with the likes of Foxa and Smith and Steele and Delandria for that that you know those last couple of forward slots and and playing those minutes or would you rather them spend time carrying the burden of being the guy all caps in in, in the AHL? Yeah, Which, I mean, I, and here I, you can't quantify I, it. I think there's a value to that. I just I'm there's enough. There's enough old school in me that says there there is a value in every night that those two go to the rink right now. They have to go to the rink with the mentality of we have to make something happen. And there there's a difference to learning to play with that mentality and learning to play with the mentality of I need to complement what you know what Duchesne is doing. I need to complement what's happening elsewhere in the lineup. You want you want to train in that kind of alpha vibe a little bit. It's a little bit that, and I'll push back a bit there just because Texas does roll three lines and Blue Mel has 12 goals to go against the 13 for Bork and, and 14 for Stankoven. And even, even something like somebody like Nick Kamano has seven. So it's not like they're the, you know, without scoring, this team is going to lose. And, and you can't say that they're scoring throughout that lineup, but I'll also look at this and say, you know what? Both of those guys, I think, if given the right fourth line in in Dallas, could thrive in a fourth line role. And that's specifically because you have players that you can roll in there like Craig Smith and uh, and Sam Steele, who do bring a little bit of skill to the game. And so I don't think that this is the death knell that it's always been where you think you're going to bring some guy in here is talented and, oh, he's a he's a top six guy or even a top nine guy. And we're going to we're going to doom him to failure because we're throwing him out there with Como and Cogliano. Um, these guys, I think, could produce it with the, with that fourth line role and and get a little taste. And so I'm not so worried about that with uh, with either Bork or Stankoven as I would be with some other people, just because the, yeah. way the fourth line is configured. And at the end, talking about DeBoer's play, and I guess let me amend slightly. I'm not saying that it would be bad. 
I, you know, I, I'd rather if I could, you know, I, I think we talked about this last week. If I could wave a magic wand, I think this team would rather have a do over on, you know, one of the Smith Steele Dadnoff deals. And if there was a depth defender, you could swap. So I, I, there's, I would like to see, I would like to see it happen, but I'm not going to force it at this stage. And I think that that's probably as, as much fun as it would be to have them up. I think sadly, the idea here is that, you know, the, for right now, there just isn't a spot on the roster. Yeah, and so let them let them play their 20 minutes a game down in, in Cedar Park and uh, and just continue to just blow that league away. Yeah. So I'm happy with that. Yeah, it makes makes but, watching Texas really entertaining. I was going to say, as, as somebody that's that lives close to the to the baby stars and gets out to see them, I'm, I'm keep keep them down here. We're, we're good. It's, it's, it's fun to watch. Um, but you know, so and we'll talk a little bit, we'll, we tease the goaltending a little, we'll get into that in just a second. Going to take a brief break so that, that KT can potentially slide in some, some ad content or what have you. All right, Mark. So we, we touched on earlier, right? One of the many reasons that we're potentially seeing Bork and Stankoven stay where they are is that Dallas is capped out and kind of hoarding their cap space right now. Again, if you look at if you look at the raw numbers, they've got four four hundred fifty seven thousand or so in cap space. If you look down and think, okay, well, if they you know if they had to sign someone today because things prorate, that actually equals about seven hundred thirty one thousand. If they can wait till the deadline, they've got about two million in cap space. So there's very clearly a strategy going on right now where Dallas is going to wait as long as they possibly can to do anything because the longer they wait, the more they can do. Um, one thing that might force their hand is Jake Ottinger uh, is week to week. And, you know, the, the most we've gotten is that the, the results, you know, it looks like a lower body, kind of a tissue injury looks, it looks to be a groin. Um, it looks like from what we've heard from the team, it was better then they were, it was kind of on the better end of what they were hoping in terms of severity and recovery and all that. But that still puts it week to week. And of course, a goaltender with a lower body thing week to week, that's those things can linger. So yeah, you, don't, um, you don't rush him back. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So for now, it's it's Scott Wedgwood's crease and everybody had a heart attack when he took that that shot off. Looked to be right. The clavicle area stayed down for a couple minutes. Um, you know, we're getting better performance out of out of the duo down in Cedar Park. But is this something that Dallas needs to be prepared to address externally, the goaltending situation. Not really. And and I say that just because I don't think that the way the team is set up for this year can afford it. Um, in order to do it, you'd have to move some bodies. And and at that point, I'm not even going to speculate who you move out in order to bring in somebody who's going to be, you know, even, even a backup type quality. No, I don't think you, you do. You cross your fingers and you, uh, you hope for, uh, a quick recovery for Jake Ottinger, and uh, then you periodically roll out uh, Matt Murray into the crease uh, at, at points where he might be successful. I mean, fortunately, it's over the Christmas holiday here, so there's some uh, there is some leeway in the schedule, and then we're following that up with a with a pretty large stretch of home games. So. It's not the disaster that it could be, but it's certainly something worth watching. Yeah, it's not the disaster that it could be is a great way to put it because, as you've mentioned, right, we we have some art, some some extended breaks built into the schedule just now, and Wedgwood has played 
you know, we, we well. dug into the stats last week. He's played well. He's, he's been about, you know, about average in terms of goals saved. He's, he's winning far more than he's losing. I think he's lost once in regulation and once in overtime. Um, he, he keeps him in games and the way that the team is playing in front of him, that, that can be enough. And, and as well, Dallas has, they've, they've built up a, a pretty good start to the season, pretty good cushion right now. They're, they're not really in danger, imminent danger of falling into the playoff fringes or anything like that. So I think you, know, you can give it a little bit of time to see how it resolves itself. Well, and I think it's going to be interesting to see Nashville because Nashville's kind of snuck up on us here and, and gotten into fourth place. And we haven't been able to see the Preds yet this yep. year. So uh, that game, I think, shows us where we're sitting in in the comfort zone. Because I think, you know, Winnipeg, Colorado, Dallas have kind of pushed themselves to the top. But Nashville's making a little bit of a charge. And and beyond that, you know, if, if Nashville's going to be interesting and if Arizona's going to be interesting, all of a sudden you have a little bit more pressure on Dallas to to make sure they maintain that competitive edge. And I think you're right. Um, you know, and, and I would say I'm 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 I don't think that they're at the yeah, they're because looking at the standings just to to simplify. So Nashville has 36 points, um, Arizona has 34 points. So uh, they're they're six six points and four points back from the stars. Dallas has played one more game than Arizona. They've played two more games than Nashville. So the head to head will be interesting to me because right now, looking at the standings, looking at the goal differential, looking at the way the teams have played, it really does seem like there is a pretty clear dividing line between, you know, Colorado, Winnipeg, Dallas and Nashville, Arizona is the second group, right? So what we're looking for here is, can Nashville into a lesser degree, Arizona do something to indicate that maybe that gap is closing at which point, if you're the stars, you start paying a little bit of attention to it. You know, for right now, I'm not overly concerned. Neither one of those teams is, is, you know, giving me much in the way of worries, but you know, Nashville seven, three and zero in their last 10, they're, they're kind of coming a little bit. Like you said, Arizona. Well, and, and, and you know, they have to be deep because, you know, Gurianov's still in Milwaukee, and any any team, you know, if they can keep Gurianov in Milwaukee, that's got to be a solid team. You think? And then Arizona's won three in a row, so it's interesting. But I think, and it, it's just, it's also so hard to find goaltending. Like that is that is a move that you do not want to make because it's volatile, and some, you know, Nottinger's going to get healthy eventually. Like you just. You, you can't you overpay, really, and and you're yeah. so likely to overpay. And if you're the stars, you have to have the mentality of like you're going to overpay for a guy that ultimately you don't want to use because you're not you're not going to sign a replacement for Jake Ottinger at this point, right? So, what what price tag do you put on? You know, it's and it's one of those weird because you're desperate in, in the situation where they'd be going, right? It'd be you're potentially desperately looking to solve a short-term problem with something that you don't want to have long-term. And here, you know, if I can go a little bit out of Star's world, I, I have season tickets to the Coachella Valley Firebirds, which is the Kraken's AHL team. And, you know, the Kraken lost, lost Grubauer to an injury. And so in, in Coachella Valley, they had a guy named Chris Drieger, who's an NHL guy. Yep. Pretty solid backup. Good run with Florida him, a couple years ago. Yep, moved him on up to, to Seattle. But... As a response to that, the Firebirds ended up pulling both goaltenders from their ECHL team. And 
they've done okay so far, but that's the kind of thing where if you don't have the goalies lined up, you're going to end up in deep trouble. Yeah. And, and the stars could find themselves in that very spot and their ECHL goaltenders are not, you know, we, we actually signed one of them to a, to a PTO, but they have very little experience. That is potentially a, a humongous problem and you can't really buy your way out of it because, you know, once Ottinger's healthy, what are you going to do? You're going to take that guy and you're going to shove him down on Matt Murray and Remy Poirier and, and he's going to need some ice time? No, that that interferes with the development of the guys that you want to be around and potentially be be there instead of Wedgwood next year. Yeah, and then, you know, with Murray and Poirier, uh, kind of samey, not going to lie. So just looking at the, you know, I don't have as many of the advanced stuff in the A, but... Matthew Matt Murray's got a 2.86 goals against average. Remy has 3.19. So pretty close. Remy's a little behind. You know, Matt Murray's got a 908 save percentage, 905 for for Remy. So it's not a, you know, hide your eyes, hope for the best. This is terrible. You know, looking at either of those guys, you could see him see one of those guys as maybe a spot starter, you know, kind of a, a temporary fix, right? I'm, neither is really banging on the door, but you know, you're not going to get killed, I guess. <laughs> now you're now you're going to go into my area here, and and so you're tempting me to talk about the dumpster fire that is the defense down in Cedar Park. So I'll I'll just refrain from doing that and and saying that sometimes goaltender numbers can lie. <laughs> yeah. That's fair. Well, I mean, they've got some guy named Empty Net that's played 17 minutes and has a 14.02 goals against average. So, I don't know what they're doing down there. <laughs> well, I mean, the the thing to remember about Texas is the first you know 20 minutes of our conversation here, and you, you got Stankov and you got Bork. You you kind of score your way through it. Yeah, I mean, how how many times this season have we talked about the situation with Dallas's goaltending and the fact that there hasn't been any kind of call up or even any noise about a call up tells you everything you need to know about who's who's down there behind them. There's, it's hey, it's. Bork. Bork has scored three goals at six on five in the last two minutes of games. <laughs> there you go. Which I think is a good time to, you know, we, we teased at the top of the show. So, you know, we, we rely on the analysis of, of a lot of really smart people to do this. I mean, I certainly, I don't know anything myself. I just read. Um, but one of those being David Castillo, he's been on the podcast a couple of times, does this fantastic coverage, both through his, um, his own kind of personal sub stack, as well as with D magazine. So great content. He claims he's solved the defensive problem this week. And he's kind of talking about Radic Foxa. It, the the interesting bit of news here is is Foxa was a healthy scratch this week, and we know he was a healthy scratch because the team went to great lengths to clarify that it wasn't an injury, that it wasn't um you know wasn't illness, wasn't anything you know kind of rules related, that it was a performance related scratch. And David had some some really interesting data, just kind of looking at you know Foxa is still you know a hundredth percentile forward when it comes to you know defensive metrics, right? He still grades out as capital E elite. When it comes to um, you know kind of keeping the puck out of the net, but he's just continued to erode and, and doesn't show much in the way of offense, and he's, he's kind of year over year is is trending in the wrong direction. And David believes sincerely, um, he he thinks that this is the actual solution. He, not not joking in any way, shape, or form. David sincerely believes that Radic Foxes should just be converted into a defender. Well, and and you're right. It's, the the whole thing is, I think Fox has gone downhill in in yeah. the offensive side ever since he slid along the boards to get around a defender and then put the puck in the net. And you know, I, I can't even remember what year that was. 
But I'll, I'll push back a little bit on David's stuff just because if David was really serious about moving Foxa to to defense, he probably would have already done a Tales of the Clip on it. Yeah. And, and he would be showing video of Foxa skating backwards and how you know he, he's got twice the speed of Suter coming skating backwards into the zone. You know, his gap control has to be really good. And so David really doesn't hasn't done all the homework that he usually does on this theory. It is uncharacteristically slipshod from him. Yeah. Yeah. But I think we're going to give him a pass. We don't know what he's working on. Mind you, this could be we're all planning out content for the holidays. Maybe he's got something forthcoming where he really gets into the shift by shift metrics that we're talking about. Because he, he seems pretty convinced that this would work. I He may be making cookies. <laughs> It is it is interesting that we have finally seen Foxa join that group of flex forwards, right? And, and previous to this, it was sort of Steele, Delandria, and Smith sharing two spots. And it looks like this past week was a pretty strong sign, at least in the short term, that instead of those three players sharing two spots, we've now got four players sharing three spots. And he is officially in that 13th forward mix and is going to watch a couple of games from time to time. Yeah, and, you know, the thing about that fourth line is that Fox is kind of the odd duck of the four. And if you, if you put Delandry and Smith and Steele out there together, they have some tenacity and some speed. It, it degrades a little bit if Fox is in that mix. Yeah. And so maybe just from a line chemistry point of view, it uh, it makes sense to go with something else. Um, the, the big issue there is, and, and you know, I, I'm a big Ty Delandria fan. I think last year he played up and down the lineup in a way that uh, that showed his potential. But it's got to stay out of the box. Yeah, yeah I mean, it, the, I, the classic last game out was sort of your classic Ty Delandria. He, he's there's a series of tenacious shifts by that line early in the game. He gets a goal. Hey, cool, things are going great. Then he takes a penalty, right? And it's just you're right. He's got to find a way to stay on the positive side of that ledger, right? And so for right now, it's it's four minor penalties taken against two penalties drawn, right? And he's sort of a, it's, it, you say the same thing, honestly, about Mason Marchment. And there is a place and a value for guys like that. Like teams need guys like that, but you just have to find a way if you're that player to, you know, for example, Mason Marchment, he's taken 10 penalties this season. He's drawn 14. Right. And so you you can be that tenacious guy and you can be the 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 one that's that's kind of agitating and, and hitting and doing all of those those things. But you have to be on the positive side of the ledger. And if you're not, it's really hard to keep it's really hard to keep a, a depth forward in the lineup when that depth forward can't stay out of the box. Yeah. And here, you know, to get into a little uh, amateur psychology, you, you see that Delandry has been the odd man out more than the other guys. And it's almost like you can see him getting into the lineup and then just going full bore. He's complete energy guy and he's not relaxed and comfortable in his role because he has, he thinks that he has to prove it every single game that he deserves to stay in the lineup. And, and that's to his own detriment. Yeah. Which is a shame because I think that he, to your point, style-wise, it seems like he lines up with the way that, that Pete DeBoer wants to play. 
he just needs to clean up some of those those aggression driven you know aggression driven issues and, and you know the the thing i think he's feeling a little pressure also just because last year he was able to play up the lineup a little bit and and i think that role's fallen to sam Steele now and, yep. and so he's lost his spot and steel has been good value for it right he's he's had yeah. a pretty good he's had a pretty good season he's he's already up to what is it this season he's got two goals six assists something like that and and a a player in sam Steele's role that's that's perfectly fine offensive output and he he can skate with the he can skate with the guys up lineup and, and i think i think delandria can as well the the challenge if you're tied that you're going to run into is and we spent the first what 20 minutes of this podcast talking about bork and Stankoven. um you know the forward core is is the strength of the team the challenge that delandria is going to have unfortunately is there just aren't right now a lot of opportunities and it's just one of those situations where, and this feeds, you know, maybe feeds into the psychology bit you're talking about. It's it's one of those situations where y- you want to play hard because you want to you want to elbow your way into a very very competitive forward group. But if you make a mistake, there's somebody that's right there with you, you know. So the 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 the, the intensity and the pressure for a forward to stay in this lineup right now has to be, you know, off the charts. Yeah, and to tell you the truth, it was always, you know, Delandry is going to be uh, going to be the next Foxa, uh, and that that was all good and fine when Foxa was centering the third line. But now Foxa is centering the fourth line, is and is even potentially, uh, you know, a thirteenth forward, and so the guy you're out there replacing is not really in a role that uh, that's much more than last forward in, first forward out. Yeah. Yeah, the team is the, the team has continued to improve, and you know the guy that you're viewed as a replacement for keeps falling down. You know, yeah, exactly, exactly as you describe, right? The guy that you're viewed as a one-to-one swap for is, um, you know, falling down the lineup himself. Which gets into, you know, I I personally think that there's more to Delandria's game, and he can he can push his way up. It's just it's gonna be it's gonna be difficult. It's gonna be it's gonna be a hard thing to do. Yeah, it's one of those things where you're going to have to you're going to have to bootstrap yourself and perform above the level that you're getting playing time at. And yeah. and that's, you know, historically what Dallas does and Delandria finds himself in that role and uh I I'm rooting for the kid. But I as uh, well. but it's it's yeah, it's a, it's a it's a tough role to swallow after he had such a good look last year. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. Uh, we'll take one more breath, then come back. We're going to air some grievances, Mark. So get your get your anger, get your takery, um, get get it get it ready to go, and then we'll we'll take a breather, and then we'll come back and, and have a little bit more fun. All right. So so background here is Mark has been hinting at having uh, something extraordinary since the the pre call chat with KT and I. So he's he's been teasing it out, teasing it out. We're we're finally going to get into. In the spirit of holidays, we're going to talk a little bit about Christmas wishes and kind of holiday wishes and and the old uh, Festivus airing of grievances. And uh, Mark, you can't make me wait any longer. Well, I, I I think the question is, what is your hot take that's going to be the least popular? Yes. And and in my in my area, that is, Mason Marshman is replaceable. And I will say that specifically because if you take a look at the way he plays with uh, with Sagan and uh, and, and Duchesne, 
there isn't anything that he's really contributing to that pairing that other people within the lineup or people from Cedar Park couldn't replicate. Anytime you take a look at a, at a line, it's almost like you find you find the two guys who have chemistry and then you bring in a third guy who, who complements those two. And if you take a look at the analytical breakdown of that trio, the guys who are really showing that compatibility together are Sagan and Duchesne. They're the ones who have, you know, an expected goal percentage up up in the 55 to 60 range. If you if you isolate Mason Marchman in into that same scenario, he's he's a little under 50 percent. But it's that three way combo that works. But it works because Marchman has the ability to snipe from areas that are a little bit away from the goal. And that would be a wonderful location put Logan Stankoven. And, and it and, get you four million dollars. Yeah. And, and and so my take is that Marchman's on a heater. We we've gotten him to the point where he has the absolute maximum value. Sell assets when they're at their peak, not in their valley. And we have him in our, at his peak. We have a decent replacement. So let's I mean, just looking here, he's shooting 16% right now. He's an eleven percent shooter for his career. So it suggests it's going to go. The, the fascinating thing to be about Mason Marchment, just to your point, is he he seems to alternate seasons, right? So his first season in Florida, 10 points in 33 games. His second season in Florida, you know, 47 points in 54 games. His first season in Dallas, you know, we've covered in depth, 31 points in 68 games, though the second half was just a nightmare. He's already up to 21 points in 30. Yeah, so he's he's been a yo-yo. I think... Well, and you take a look at that one Florida year and and how much of that was based on his being on a line with Sam Reinhardt and and, and Lundell. And, and so, again, you have you have a, two guys who work really together well together and Marchment reaps the benefit. I And I'm not I just just for the sake of being a curmudgeon. There is an art and a technique to being the third guy on a line. Right. And, and thinking about who gets the puck kind of primacy, right? Who gets to carry, who gets to dangle, who gets to dictate. There is something to be said for finding a player that not only has, you know, talking about the snipes, that not only has the skill to be on that line, but also has the mentality to be comfortable with deferring to the other two members of that line. Right. There's it's that, that chemistry can be such a such a touchy thing that, you know, I I I, I see the basis in your take. But I think if you're the stars, it's 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 surely it's low key insane to mess with the composition of your best line through 30 games, is it not? Well, but that's how you get yourself to the Stanley Cup final. And if you do that, all of a sudden you have some money to go out and really spend the way you need to on the defense. Yeah, I mean, I guess the 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 other the only other bit that I would say is is, is okay. You make that move and projecting for the future right Duchesne walks at the end of the year he, you you have space but my concern with him and we'll get into my take here in just a minute so yeah it's, there's there's a even if Marchman is maybe the luxury asset knowing that he's locked in for a couple of seasons at a pretty reasonable rate if this is who he is like there's some value there too yeah I and there's some value to maybe putting Sagan on a line with uh, with with Bork and Stankoven. So yeah. yeah, this this is this is why uh, there are crystal balls and, and and stupid takes and good takes. And I'm gonna put myself out there and say this is a good take and 
a year from now we would be better off because of it. Well, it's interesting. It's complementary to my uh, my take, Mark. And my take is that the Dallas Stars should not entertain in any way, shape, or form re-signing Matt Deshane after the season. And the, you think the, the price is too much. Uh, I think that it's and not just the price, the years. I think to this point, Jim Mill has done a fantastic job. Just look at, if you're ever curious, look at Cap Friendly and look at where everything expires. To this point through his tenure, you know, you can, you can, he's had his, his, his hits and his misses and all of that. But the one thing Jim Nil has done consistently is staggering his big time contracts so that the team is never really overburdened with, you know, the, we talk about them being capped out all the time. They're capped out, but they're talent rich, right? So the 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 worry that I have is Duchesne has played so very well that, you know, they got him on a discount because there was an unexpected buyout. He's getting that Nashville, you know, Nashville buyout money, lets him take $3 million to play for the Stars. He had, you know, had been in the wilderness a little bit in terms of performance, you know, kind of the the shine of being an elite forward had, had faded a little bit prior to the season. My concern is he has played so very well that by the end of the year, you'll have a 32, 33-year-old player that's going to demand and and be able to get a four-year, if not longer, deal at a price point you really don't want to do. And then looking elsewhere, you've got you've got the Robertson extension coming up in a couple of years. You'll have to redo. Um, you know, I'm not saying you'll you've got a Harley RFA coming up. They'll probably bridge him. Ottinger's on a bridge right now. You know, you're going to need a backup goaltender. You're you're going to need to revamp the entire defensive core. You've got to make space for Stankoven and Bork eventually. Pavelski, like, there's all of this stuff, and it just seems like. You talk about Mason Marchment being, you know, you you want to sell high. The same time, you don't want to negotiate at peak value either. And I just, as good as he's been, I feel like Duchesne has been good enough to demand a contract that the Dallas Stars just just can't afford to give him. You take a look. It's not like Nil hasn't signed older forwards to deals. I mean, take a look at Pavelski. You just mentioned him. Yep, um, that was originally a three-year deal, and the first um, year Duchesne- was a disaster. Just, well, until the playoffs, it was. Yeah, um, it, but but that was that was perhaps a little bit more about the team needing to understand how to get the most out of Pavelski. Yeah, and and I think they figured that out. But it was also a three-year deal, and I think there's a big difference between a three-year deal and a four-year deal yeah. with Duchesne. Yes. Um, you can also look back and take a look at uh, at what happened with with Jason Spezza. Um, similar type situation. You can talk about how that was not perhaps a good contract by the end of the contract, but it was a really good contract early on. And, and I would argue that maybe Spezza ran into some coaches who didn't want to use him the way that he needed to be used in order oh, to be successful. You're, you're preaching to the, the lead of the Jason Spezza got done dirty by the Dallas stars choir. I think you're, he was Kate perfect example of coaching orthodoxy, refusing to find value in a player when it's not conventional. Yeah. And, and I mean, you could even say somebody like, uh, I can't say the name Corey Perry. Um, <laughs> Carter. But, uh, <laughs> that was also another contract that we were able to bring in and, and he proved useful uh, in other places after he left Dallas and, and, you know, to a certain degree, Spezza did as well. So it, it's, it, it depends on the number. It depends on the term. But yeah. I'm not going to disagree with you that that if Duchesne decides that he's going to go for max value, that it, his place is probably not in Dallas. Well, and, on the other hand, I, I would say that the 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 chemistry that Sagan and Duchesne have together makes it worth looking at. 
Oh, and, and that—that's the second half of this take, right? This is a this is a pro Matt Duchesne take, right? If he wants to take less money and stay, I, I listen. I'll, I'll roll out the red carpet. I'll buy a Duchesne jersey. Like I'd I'd love to have the guy because I agree with you. He brings an element. We talk about the way that forwards play. He is not that he does the same thing, but but looking at the success that the the Hintz line has had, like look contrast the way that that Rupe plays with the way that Robertson and Pavelski play, and you can see why that line works. Duchesne stylistically brings the same. Like all of a sudden, Sagan has a puck carrier. Sagan has a guy that can that can back off defenses with his speed a little bit, which allows Sagan to step into his role as sort of that creative second guy, right? The go and the give and go, and, and so it's it's one of those. Duchesne has been a wonderful fit and has been a great player. My my take is more like I just believe in general athletes should go after the biggest bag they can, right? They've got such a limited shelf life and he's going to demand something better. This is more that like he is really good and he's going to get a contract that you give a really, really good player. And I don't want Dallas to give him that contract. Yeah, but if he, and, if he and, wants to stick around for two years, right? If he's if he'll take a two year deal, if he'll take a little bit of a of hometown, you know, income tax free state discount, then I've got all the time in the world to talk about it. It's more just that my fear is that he's going to get something and he's going to demand something, his play, sorry, not him specific. His play will demand something in the four, in the four year range. His play will demand something in the four to $5 million range. That's a lot. Yeah. And here I, I, I'm going to attribute this to razor. I can't remember specifically if it was razor who said it though. But but Duchesne is finding himself in Dallas in a spot where he can be the secondary guy, not the primary guy. And I think that he performs really, really well as that secondary guy. He doesn't have to take all the pressure of the team winning on his back. If, if I'm a player, and obviously I'm not, but if I'm a player at this point in my career, I'm looking at a legacy and being able to consistently find myself in a place where I'm able to play to my strengths and and de-emphasize my weaknesses, that goes a long way to establishing what I want my career legacy to be as opposed to just going after the buck and getting stuck in a situation where I may not be as successful as I could be. Yeah, uh, the the other flip side is how how does the stars passing on Mac Domi, Max Domi look right now? And I know the sample size is is much different, but you know that was the same situation. He had a great playoff run. He he kind of stood out, made made a name for himself. And and aren't we glad that Dallas stayed out of that? Yeah, and, and at this point, you could almost you know as, as successful as Stankoven and. Uh, and Bork have been, you could say that maybe we should have taken a little bit further look at the Dodonov situation. Yeah. And, and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of Dodonov, but I think that at a certain point, certainly next year, and maybe even later this year, we're going to be looking at that role as something that somebody else could do. Yeah, and we should, right? I think it's it's a... I think you're you're absolutely right. So it's 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 just an, it's an interesting glimpse into the realities of the cap world. And you know who knows, right? Jamie Benn's contract coming off the books a year after next. Sagan is two years after that. So it's not like there isn't some flexibility coming. It's just you know if you're the stars, you've got to start really thinking about and making some decisions around where you can spend your resources. Yeah, and this is this is right in Jim Neal's bellywick setting up contracts so that they expire when you need them to expire at rates that allow you to 
to, to retool. That's my other take. As much as much heat as Jim Nill has gotten a year after winning GM of the year, <laughs> I really I really respect what he does on uh, on the back end. And it's not an easy job. And having the Dallas Stars in this situation where they're in essence rolling lines, if you will, rolling lines of players over the years. That's something you don't see very often. I mean, not just that, but this isn't even the first time he's done it, right? This is, he is now, we're what, in now our fourth distinctive, you know, it, it was, yeah. it, it was Ben, Sagan at the beginning. Then it was Sagan, Ben, Radulov. Then it was Pavelski, Robertson, Hintz. Now it's Sagan to Shane Marchment with little zhuzhes of, you know, Ben, Dadanoff, Johnston. Like he has been able to move through forward groupings and make sure not 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 just keep the wheels on, but he's been able to move move sure move through forward groupings in a way that ensured Dallas always had an elite unit. And that's that's frankly amazing. <laughs> Even when they had a coach who didn't want to use it. Yeah, right. <laughs> and maybe to show the other side, this is also, you know, Andre Sakara, Ryan Suter, you name the guy that's plugging in the gap on the defense. And so maybe maybe it's time to put a put in a little effort to give Miro Haskin and a band of brothers. Which brings me to my, and we'll go ahead and conclude here, my concluding take is I don't think that Dallas, and as much as we've talked about it, I think that today, right now, that Dallas is making the right move, doing absolutely nothing with the defense. And that's it, because I, I think that the solution is such a tear down of the studs problem that, you know, we talked earlier in the podcast about, you know, the way that cap space accrues and they're at about 700K right now. They'll be closer to 2 million by the deadline. They've got forwards that are playing well. I think the absolute best thing that this team can do is win games ugly, win games flawed, and be in a position where they've got two million and valuable assets at the trade deadline, rather than forcing something early. Okay, we're in agreement. I just and and that's it's weird because my other take is that the Dallas Stars desperately need to fix the defense. I think right now it's going to hold them back from being a true cup contender. But um, you know, I think you you have to now. As you mentioned doing your homework. Right now is the time. You're going over game tape. You're you're querying the league. You need to have your list of targets ready to go, and you need to get as close to the deadline as possible, and, and hope that hope that there's another you know big deal you can swing. Yeah, it, it certainly worked last year on the forward side, and so I, I think Neil saw how he was able to use the space uh, to to bring in a, a team that was a cup contender last year, and and I think uh, he thinks he can do it this year as well with the defense. And I, and I, for one, believe him. Mark, any any concluding thoughts, anything to, to say before we, we wrap it up until, I guess, probably New Year? New no, Year. We'll probably get, we probably get one in next week. Yeah, I'm around. I'm um, not a whole lot. Uh, it's been kind of fun watching you know, one game a night. And uh, so I think we'll continue doing that, enjoying Stars hockey and uh, and maybe a little beverage here we go. I love it. Let's let's enjoy some hockey. Let's hope the goaltending holds up and we'll see what the future holds. Yeah.